0: Welcome to Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 295 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. 295? That's a big number. Sometimes those numbers, they just hit me right between the eyes. 295 of Hippie Witch Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name. Hippie, witch, peace, love, and all that good shit. And you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to Shadow Love Return to the Seat of the Soul, an audio journey that I've been talking about, and it is it's available now. It's available now. Those of you who ordered it on pre-order, you should be on... Day three right now, but you can sign up for that anytime you want. You can do it anytime you feel like doing a bit of shadow work with the intention of creating a deeper sense of self-love. So it's about integrating the conscious mind with the subconscious shadow material that might be standing in the way of you living a great life and my approach is we're not casting out demons. We are not slaying dragons. We are loving up the rejected parts of ourselves. Therefore, shadow love. So there's a link to that. There'll be a link on the on the blog post that that goes with this here episode which is saturn's day evening post number 10 another number i like 10 a nice round number we have broken the into the double digits here with the saturn's day evening posts <laughs> i have no idea how many of these I'm going to do? How long I'm going to do it? You all seem to like it. I can't seem to shut up, so it seems to be working out. <laughs> that's partly how how we've gotten up to 295, is I can't seem to shut my face. I talk and talk and talk, and I'm counting in that... In the episode countdown, I count the episodes I do for Patreon as well. So that's that's the real secret to why these numbers keep jumping up so much. <laughs> I can't shut up, and I'm also making... Podcast for Patreon, so happy Saturn's day evening, my friends, I just had something very weird and unexpected happen to me. I was thinking about you when it happened i I took a walk to my my favorite little mom and pop coffee shop I've told you about it. It's called caffeine k a f n They make these killer. Really creative drinks. The baristas there are artists. The drink I got today was called Royal Rose or Rose Royal. And it was English breakfast with rose and vanilla and steamed macadamia nut milk. It was so good. I've been trying new ones. The the one my son and I just got uh, last week. What did they call it? Vanilla a la mint. It was mint tea with vanilla and always steamed macadamia nut milk (laughs) because we're dairy-free and I like to get that latte texture going. But holy crap, their drinks are so good. And it's still, it was really windy here yesterday, which I love. It was really fun just to get a bit of weather, break up all the sun, 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 sun with some wind. And today it's still a little bit windy and I have a wonky ear hole. <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. A wonky ear hole. I, have, I haven't been officially diagnosed with a wonky ear hole, but that's what it feels like to me. And it's been like this my entire life. I have one ear that feels like the hole is like facing forward kind of to where if there's any little tiny bit of wind, I get Quickly, really, really quickly, almost instantly, like a bad, 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 bad earache that's hard to make go away. It feels like someone's, like, stabbing my ear with a pencil. It hurts a lot. And so I look like a dork on a windy day. Sometimes I wear earmuffs, which looks crazy in Los Angeles when it's sunny outside. Today... uh. It didn't even look that windy, but I went outside and there was like a little enough of a breeze. And I've been I've been at this wonky ear hole thing for four decades, enough for me to know, like, ah dang it, I have to cover my ears. So I grabbed this super. It's awesome. It's cool looking. This big old scarf that I have and I and I put it on my head like a head wrap. And I walked over there. And on my way back. I was thinking about how I'm going to tell them about my drink, my Royal Rose or Rose Royal. I can't remember. (laughs) It was a rose vanilla drink, and it was fabulous. And I was thinking how I was going to tell you about it. Because I think about you a lot. Is that weird? Is that weird? I do. I think about things I want to tell you and like, oh, I got to tell them this. And I want to tell them that. I guess I really, really like you. And I like talking to you. (laughs) And I was kind of smiling to myself and thinking about that. And I heard a couple... Of little boys behind me, giggling and singing. They were singing, and they were singing, Isis girl, Isis girl. And it just, it penetrated my consciousness enough for me to be like, Isis girl, that's so weird. Like, maybe that's not... Maybe that's not a a good song to be singing right now. Or is that a song on the radio that I haven't heard? And like weird timing, right? Like, do we need a song called Isis Girl right now? That's very weird. And they kept doing it and singing and and laughing. Lots and lots of laughing. And and then it kept evolving. It was evolving. I'm still thinking about how delicious my drink is and smiling to myself. And they're just kind of the background noise of me talking to you in my head about my drink and how awesome it is. (laughs) And then they start going, Isis girl with her Starbucks cup. For the record, my cup was the caffeine cup, not a Starbucks cup. But they started talking about repeating Isis girl with her Starbucks cup. And then it kind of turned from being sing-songy to accusatory and, like, taunting. And I was like, who are they talking to? Are they talking to me? Like, what is this? And I turned around to see. They were on the opposite side of the street, and we're walking in a neighborhood. So there's cars going by and stuff, but not not fast, but, uh, they're not supposed to go fast because it's we're in a neighborhood, and I look across the street and it's these two little boys, maybe late elementary school, junior high-ish. I couldn't I don't know. I I'm not good at guessing ages of kids. I'm not sure. Maybe they were 10, something like that. And they were, they were talking to me. They were calling me ISIS girl. And they said so I had a Starbucks cup in my hand, which I did not. And I was like, those little fuckers. Oh, my God. They think they are taunting and harassing a woman with a headscarf on that maybe is Muslim. They're, they're, they think they're harassing somebody. And isn't it interesting that on the last episode, I was just talking about white privilege and how white people, we can be blind to the racism around us because we don't really experience it. And I I really don't experience One time, one time, a long, long time ago, I was pulling out of a bargain lot. It was like Target, I think, and... I don't know, some guy had, like, a road rage moment. I don't know if I cut him off or what, what happened. I have no idea. But it was a black man who rolled his window down and yelled at me and called me a cracker. <laughs> I was like, oh, cracker? What? Is that even a thing still? People call people call white people crackers? I had, like, only seen that in movies before and only, like, in the deep south. Like, I, And here we are in Southern California, and this guy's yelling at me and calling me a cracker. And, again, I didn't experience, I guess, the pain of that or the oppression of that or anything like that because I'm not oppressed. I'm a white woman, and so it just struck me as being very funny. I was like, he just called me a cracker. (laughs) It was funny. Whereas if the situation were reversed, it wouldn't be so funny. You know what I mean? And, again, white privilege. So, having said that, that's the only time I can think off the top of my head that I have I have experienced racism on a personal level. And so here are these two boys calling me ISIS girl and laughing and taunting at me. And so what do I do? (laughs) I ripped the scarf off my head so they could see that, in fact, I am a blonde, pale white woman. And I looked at them with, like, the rage of a pissed off mother, probably is how they saw it. (laughs) I thought I looked like a badass and I marched across the street and there were cars coming and because it's a it's a it's a neighborhood cars are going like 25 miles an hour. I felt like Moses parting the Red Sea. I just put my hand out like, "No, you will stop for me. I'm crossing the road right now." <laughs> and I marched across the street to these two little boys that look like deer caught in the headlights they were like mouth open eyes wide like oh crap (laughs) they looked terrified and they couldn't move they just stood there for a second while I like marched at them and they got scared and they both kind of like whoo like came to at the same time and started run walking away from me and because my legs are longer than theirs I was able to ride their heels for a block <laughs> and they were so nervous there was no giggling there was no s- nothing they were in dead silence sweating nervous and I enjoyed every second of intimidating those those little fools like what in the world how awful. How awful. And and they were Mexican. They were Mexican. And you just think like, wow, like do Mexican Americans not experience racism in this country? Of course they do. Of course they do. And I know they're just little boys. They're just little boys. They heard something on the news. Clearly nothing to do with ISIS is funny. And I know those of you who are with you, who work with ISIS as a goddess, you you take so much offense to calling them ISIS, (sighs) such a complicated, tangled situation, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I feel like I dared the world to show me racism, and it was like, here you go, here you go, how awful, how awful, what if you are a woman that walks around in a headscarf, just to have people harassing you, little boys, little boys being so disrespectful, I feel like an old lady saying that, but like, come on now. It was, I really took, maybe this is wrong of me. I'm not super enlightened, okay? I keep saying that. I definitely enjoyed scaring the crap out of those little boys and riding their heels down the block. (laughs) and Making them like run, walk and sweat. Maybe it made them think about it a little bit. I don't know. It made me feel good. (laughs) I had fun doing that. So you can judge me for that, but that's what I did. And I, at this point, I'm not sorry. You can, you, maybe you can school me on the error of my ways. Uh, <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoyed making those little boys sweat a little bit. <laughs> Let's change the sho- subject, shall we? How about this? Have you seen Black Panther? Have you seen Black Black Panther? If the box office numbers are any indication, the odds are you have, because it's kicking ass, and that is an awesome thing. And if you're like, I'm not, no, I'm not going to see it. I don't think I'm going to see it. You are not my friend. You are not my friend. Go see it. Don't miss this cultural moment. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. And don't miss the opportunity to, to support Black Hollywood, also, and Show Hollywood—that like, hello, people want these films. People of all races and sexes want these films. I don't even like superhero movies. There's there's a handful of superhero movies I enjoyed. Christopher Nolan always, because he's Christopher Nolan. Uh, I really like Tim Burton's Batman movies back in the day, because Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Let's see, what else did I enjoy? The first Iron Man was very good. And Captain America was very good. Those were those were good quality movies. But in general, if you ask me to go see a superhero movie with you, I'm going to be like, huh. I enjoyed Wonder Woman too, but it was more like a girl power thing than anything. And again, like you have to go support Wonder Woman and show Hollywood that movies starring women can do well. It's a cultural thing, and it, it's 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 important that we support these movies. But that's not why you should go. You should go because it's fun. It's fun. (laughs) It's really, 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 really fun. And women are, speaking of Wonder Woman and women, like, if you enjoyed Wonder Woman because you like to see, like, badass women being strong and empowered, it, holy crap, that's what Black Panther is, is featuring. One of the most prominent things it's featuring is, like, these badass warrior, warrior women. And it's just a very enjoyable movie. The soundtrack's very good. But also, for those of you who love magic, why are you here if you don't love magic? You love magic, right? It's filled with magic. There's my personal favorite part is the glowing plant medicine. Like these purple flowers I loved. The glowing plant medicine. There's like one scene where this warrior woman is in. She's like got the mudras with her hands and she's doing like this meditation thing. There are spirit animals. There's some really cool initiatory rites. And uh, so it's just, it's just, it's a good movie. Just go because it's a good movie, okay? (laughs) And what's so fun is just the cultural moments around it. The premiere was so cool because they asked the attendees of the premiere, to dress like kings and queens, and that red carpet was going off. It was, like, the coolest, most fun red carpet ever. I already told you I like looking at at red carpet pictures. I do. I do. That's a fantasy in my head. Like, I want to buy those clothes, and I want to have a place to wear them. (laughs) And it's fun. It's just fun for me to look at that stuff. And then another thing that's fun now now that the movie's come out is all this cosplay like there are people dressing up in the costumes. And uh so it's just a good time. So fun. Another pop culturally, pop culture-y, another pop cultury thing that happened that I would just beg you to check out, please. I should have written down the name of it so I could properly tell you, but it cannot be hard to find. It is the article that GQ, the interview they just did with Brendan Fraser. It's a very Beautiful, enlightening piece. Something called—it's something like whatever happened to Brendan Fraser? Something like that. Brendan Fraser—you know who he is, right? The star of uh, Encino Man and the Mummy movies. Who's a big movie star back in the day. He kind of disappeared for a minute, and now he's really coming back, born again in a way. Talk about initiatory rights as a character actor. And this article, oh, he has an autistic son who is 15, so obviously I completely connected with that. But the way the article starts out is is he's taught there, they describe his relationship with this horse that he rescued. And when you read that first paragraph, you're in, you're committed to the article and you're madly in love with Brendan Fraser as a soul. He's such a pure person. And toward the end of the article or maybe the middle end middle endish of the article it gets into uh he was sexually assaulted he was sexually assaulted and then the the feelings that resulted of that and the way it changed his behavior and it was really powerful to read about a man having that experience And because there's a lot of shame for everyone that's sexually assaulted coming forward and talking about that, which the Me Too movement has greatly alleviated. But there's even more shame around men talking about it. And so I I want I like to see men talking about it, you know, so honestly, the way that he did. And he also talked about abusing himself and abusing his body and these pushing himself past his limits and how his body broke down and he had to have all these surgeries. And uh, this is such a strange... I don't know. My mind just holds on to weird little things and then puts them together years later. But I will never forget, I saw an article once uh, with Jenna Jameson, of all people, who is... Maybe the most famous porn star in the world, I don't know. But Jenna Jameson, at some point, was married to some dude named Tito, who I believe was a... is... What is that? I can't think of the name of it now. What is that? Is it Universal Wrestling? I'm not a sports fan, and I'm definitely not a boxing fan, or what this is. What is it called? Oh no. What is it when it's like worse than wrestling and boxing? It's like everything. Like I will kill you kind of fighting ultimate fighting. There you go. Ultimate fighting. He's the ultimate fighter, I believe. And she said something in this article that completely struck me and really expressed my feelings about the sex, uh, Sex workers, the sex industry, what do you call that? I don't know. God, it's so hard to be politically correct. I can't keep up with the millennials and all the I can't. I can't. I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> and I and I'm starting to feel old when I like start reaching for terminology. But the way I feel about boxing and the way I feel about about the sex industry are very similar. And this piece in this article completely stuck with me and really resonated with me when I read it. She said, Jenna St. Jameson of her marriage to this guy, Tito, is uh, what they have in common is that they both abuse their bodies for a living. And I thought, whoa, that's so insightful and so profound. And she's actually a very smart woman, or she came off that way in that article. And uh, I guess that's the problem that I have with the, with what I see is people like fighting for sex workers' rights and things like that. I don't, it's not that I don't think they should have rights. I have just seen some articles in which being a prostitute even, for example, is glamorized and saying like, is this an empowering thing? And I don't believe in most cases it is. Statistically, women that work in the sex industry have a history of some kind of abuse in their past, not every single one of them, but it's extraordinarily common. And so there's that. And but also, I do think it's, I mean, it would take an extraordinary amount of psychic shielding, and spiritual maturity, to be like, what I would consider a sacred prostitute. You might have heard Carolyn Mace talk about a sacred prostitute, and I think it's in one of her books or lectures where she talked about, I think it was a man who would, like, sit with maybe AIDS patients. Gosh, it's been a while since I've read that, but... um, and perform sex acts with them as the sacred act like sacred prostitution being a thing. But man, we throw that around a lot in the new age community talking about the sacred prostitute and all of this stuff when I'm like, "Come on, most of it's not sacred. Most of these porn stars aren't treating themselves sacred. <laughs> they're not <laughs> they're not treating their bodies as being sacred and I also believe in energy exchange. So, besides the fluid exchange and touching strangers, um there's also an energetic exchange and taking on the energy of other wounded people and stuff so man I'm I can't believe sometimes that I get away with these saying doing these Saturday evening posts because I'm really sharing <laughs> my views on things that I might be controversial. I don't know don't hate me if you disagree with me just kindly disagree with me and let me know your your perspective and that's totally cool okay but that's how I see it. And boxing, I see that as well. And again, I know like hello, like so many, so many people love boxing. People that box and people that fight. Uh, but a lot of it too is like old white men <laughs> profiting off of like these young men from poor neighborhoods that are abusing their bodies and beating the crap out of each other for the chance to get out, to chance to make a bunch of money, to chance to live their dream, and. Rocky's awesome. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) But those things, those two things have always just made me uncomfortable. So I'm just, I guess I'm just an old lady about it. But when I was reading about Brendan Fraser talking about abusing his body for Hollywood and for the different roles that he did and pushing himself past past his limits, it made me think about that. So gee whiz, what a roundabout, long-ass way of saying that, (laughs) I also, while we're being controversial and just tempting you to to hate on me, I don't know, I want to talk about the term toxic masculinity because I personally, this is my personal view, I don't see anybody else talking about this, so I have no idea if this is like a really out there thought to have, but I always cringe a little bit when I see people like talking about toxic masculinity in the new age community and just throwing it around so casually. And I personally would love to see us maybe rethink the use of that term. And it's not that I think the term is like technically inaccurate. And I see some men using it right alongside women to call out Toxic masculinity as a phenomenon of a certain kind of brokenness in men and boys that needs to be healed as a result of patriarchy. I understand it. I understand why people use it and what it means. But my feeling is that men that are comfortable with that kind of terminology are probably not the men that need to hear it the most. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um Or the women that need to hear it most. Masculine and feminine is is not exclusively about men and women. It's about a certain kind of energy, right? But I think the men that are really steeped in toxic masculinity like and these messages of the patriarchy that don't serve them well, they might be inclined to take offense at the term and then shut down the conversation before it's even been had. Because it sounds like you're calling men toxic. I can see how on some ears it would fall that way. Do you know what I mean? And then you just shut the conversation down all together. And it's really, uh, you know, it's one thing to say toxic behavior or toxic patterns or a toxic phenomenon. To say toxic masculinity is sort of calling out. Uh, half the population if a person doesn't have, like, a nuanced understanding of what it means. And so if you think about the word toxic, right, I always think it's much better to say, instead of saying a person is toxic, to say a relationship is toxic, right? So if you say, like, let's just put the word toxic in front of some terms and see how it sits, right? If you say toxic black woman, is that okay? <laughs> what if I post that on Twitter? What's going to happen? What if I say toxic fat girls, toxic white people, toxic Asians? I'm not talking about all Asians. I'm just talking about some Asians. <laughs> I'm just talking about the ones that are toxic. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It starts to get really uncomfortable when you start moving it around and per- put it, even put it in front of toxic femininity. What is toxic femininity? It doesn't it doesn't sound right to me. And am I alone in that? I don't know. It just It's a label that to me has the potential to push us into the shadows and and to to shame people into the shadows and to shut the whole conversation down. So, uh I don't know, to me it just feels like it would be more productive and instructive to say a toxic environment <laughs> or old toxic standards or something I don't know I don't know let's play around with it let's see if we can come up with something that feels more we're so divided now politically it's 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 in politics but it's also in like the politics of religion and the politics of food uh the dogma of food and and we just divide and divide and divide and divide. And if you're not with me, you're against me. And if you don't agree with me about everything, you're the enemy. And, and we're shutting down conversations and like going into our own little bubbles of confirmation bias in a way that I think is not healthy. So I don't know. That's, I guess that's just why I'm bringing that up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring that up. And and thinking about Brendan Fraser, too, and like, why did that article mean so much to me? I think it's because I'm always on the hunt for really beautiful men, (laughs) quality men, (laughs) examples of kind men, gentlemen, loving men. Uh, there's a website called the Good Men Project that I really enjoy as a woman. I like going and reading because uh, the way uh, we talk a lot about women's empowerment, and I'm a feminist. I consider myself a feminist, and there are many different kinds of feminists, I will say, but definitely a feminist, definitely for women's rights, and definitely think that everything is that's happening in our culture right now around feminism is really important. But I also am always looking for... Ways to empower, like, young boys. I have a young little man that I'm raising here as best as I can. I think about those little boys on the street thinking it's funny to heckle some woman that has a scarf on her head and say she's an ISIS. You know, things like that. It's like uh, we need to focus on that as well, like empowering men to be soft and to be kind and showing examples of good men. There are many, many, many good men. I want to be in resonance with that kind of man. And I am. I am. I, thanks to this podcast, I meet so many of you. There are men like that listening right now. And it's such an honor to me. I will never forget when I first started Kick-Ass Switch. Before the podcast. I started in March of, of or 2012. And then I think I started the podcast a year later. Um, but in the very beginning, there were men. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Because my color scheme is like white with pink and orange and yellow. And I am a very girly girl. And uh, I just, I really love and connect with men really well. But I just didn't think they would like me. That's the truth of it. And I had men write to me in the beginning saying, hey, why are you using language like only directing this to women like men care about this stuff too and I was like they do oh my god and you like this you like me holy crap I was just amazed by that and it's been a consistent phenomenon throughout kick-ass witch and now the podcast hippie witch so um I feel honored by that and and I feel like maybe I don't know I don't know. I'm going to drop that right now before I get myself into trouble, I think. I just, uh, sheesh, sheesh. Where do I go from here, guys? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I paint myself into a corner. (laughs) Let's just be nice to each other, okay? I think that's my message. (laughs) Even in, let's just say, diagnosing people publicly. Maybe we'll just hop on over there. to a a different kind of controversy, (laughs) Um, calling people narcissists, let's say, like diagnosing them as being a narcissist. The thing about narcissism is we all have narcissism in us to varying degrees. And uh, if you can recognize it, if you can call it out, it might be a case of the narcissist in me. He's the narcissist in you. So maybe it's a little bit like that when you're calling people toxic, for example. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Let's let's talk about the divine masculine. Let's talk about Jesus. Because Jesus just showed up at my house. I got him. I got the I got this uh Leonardo da Vinci painting that I told you I ordered, the stretched canvas. Uh, Salvatore Mundi, Savior of the World, that thing sold for $450 million not too long ago, isn't that crazy, somebody paid $450 million, an institution paid $450 million for a painting, it's beautiful I love it and I was so excited when it when it got here. That's the picture that goes with this episode. So if you fa- if you clicked on this episode on Facebook or Twitter or my blog, you saw my painting. Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool? And it's I like it because Jesus looks masculine and feminine in that picture to me. And I like the balance of that and I my favorite part is that he's holding this crystal ball in his hand. And I think of Jesus as a magic man. I think of that verse in, I used to know my Bible verse is so good. I know it's in the book of John. John 14, 12, maybe. I don't know. I used to have to memorize Bible verses growing up. It's something like, uh, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth in me, the works I do, He shall do also, and greater works than these shall He also do. Because I'm, because I'm going off to Jesus. I'm going off to God right now. <laughs> I'm going to be with the Father. And when I hear that, I don't hear, "If you believe in me, if you believe in me as the Savior of the world, you can do these great works through, you know, invoking my name." I think He was saying, "If you believe." In me, if you believe in these miracles, if you believe in what you're seeing, no, you too can do this. Even greater things. I'm taking off here. It's on you now. I showed you how to do it. <laughs> you're we're all Salvatore Mundi. We're all the savior of the world. Seeing him holding that crystal ball in his hand to me is uh, it harkens back to this vision i had that i've shared here before <laughs> little psychedelic vision i <laughs> had where i saw like all of us in a row 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 very matrixy like we were all holding these globes in our hands and looking down and this voice was telling me to look up and i saw that we we were all holding our own world in our hands and it reminds me of that too and so i'm very pleased that that Jesus that depiction from Leonardo da Vinci is now in this super. I have this awesome corner in my living room with with a whole bunch of books. There's built-in bookshelves. Is partly why I love this house so much. It's a craftsman bungalow. Lots of built-ins for for all my book nerdery. And then I have like these very cool. I have like Harry Potter toys and and toys that look like kind of like steampunk kind of something that looked like it would come out of Dumbledore's office and then I have my skull collection and a globe of the moon and all this cool stuff and so he fits in right perfectly right there. I like to read right there and feel like I I don't know like I've stepped into some cool book nerdy corner of of an Italian villa villa from 80 years ago. I don't know, my mind just goes off. <laughs> I like I like to pretend and I like I like to have little corners of that of my house that have like a feeling that I can like step into this world. And and so he's he's enhanced that for me. <laughs> oh whew. Gosh, I embarrass myself a lot. I show up here every Saturn's Day evening to embarrass myself for your amusement, <laughs> and now I shall end this episode <laughs> by getting something off my chest. I've been thinking a lot about it's. This has been playing on my mind for a couple of weeks. It's a bizwitch thing. It's a bizwitch tip, uh, and let me just preface this by saying I am one hundred percent fully aware that Marie Forleo definitely knows more than I do about rocking an online biz. She is the queen of online biz. I've learned a lot from her. I'm sure I could learn even more from her. Hello, she's Marie Forleo. <laughs> however, however, I not so humbly believe she missed a huge, glaring, obvious Easter egg during this call-in show she recently did on YouTube. She's, she's launching B-School again. She's doing another round of B-School. Her famous, you know, online entreprenu- entrepreneurs. It's, it's the most famous one, I think, online for people that want to start their own online biz. And uh, she does this call-in show. And the first caller, LaShawn, called in to talk about being conflicted between the desire to maintain a well-paying career as a hairstylist and makeup artist and and then starting a relationship coaching biz. Like, she wanted to do both, like, but didn't know. She felt conflicted between the two. Like, which one should she do? Because she loves doing hair and makeup. She enjoys it, and she makes a lot of money doing that. But also, she feels called now to start a relationship coaching biz. And Marie's advice was not bad. I mean, she's Marie Forleo. It was good advice. It was to... Um, To take baby steps, you know, and to, to keep paying her bills with the hair and makeup stuff and and to start maybe like dabbling with the coaching and thinking about it. And I was like... The, the first idea that came into my head, I thought for sure Marie Forleo would say because I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> and she didn't say it at all. I kept waiting for her to at least tack it on on the end as an option. And she didn't. I was like yelling at my computer like, no, LaShawn, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> so I'm going to share it with you. I know this woman is there's like a 99.99% chance that she will never, never hear this. But I need to get it off my chest because I keep talking to myself about this. <laughs> I feel like it was a missed opportunity. What does a hairstylist or makeup artist do? What do we say about them? We joke that they're our therapists, right? Like we tell them our secrets while they're sitting there working on our hair. It's, it's a cliche. And cliches are cliches for a reason because there's some truth in them, right? And so... Hairstylists will often joke that they're also therapists. They're like honorary therapists and they know all the all these things about their clients and stuff. And so I'm like, how fun and different and fresh would it be to start an online biz where you're doing both, like on camera, let's say, where you're like having clients that you would have to have some clients volunteer but if you have a bustling business I'm sure you can find someone to come on camera with you maybe your cousin if all else fails or your sister or your mom and and while you are cutting and coloring their hair and doing their makeup and stuff like have this whole relationship coaching session with them right right is that not so fun? I think that's so fun. And actually right on brand and what we what we think of when we think of these people, but I've never seen somebody do that, so <laughs> Whew, I've aired out that business. I've gotten it off my chest. I like creative approaches like that. It feels like everything has been done, right? Like Oh, good, great, you're going to be a relationship coach. How many relationship coaches are there in the world? What's going to make you different? What's going to make you special? Oh, my God, you're a hairdresser and a makeup artist. Why throw that out? Why not, like, make it fun and incorporate them? So, I don't know. That's my idea. LaShawn, wherever you are, <laughs> I think there's a really creative, super fresh, highly entertaining way to do both. Okay? Oh, God. That's how I see it. And uh, this is actually the last episode here, uh, Saturn's Day Evening Post. It's not the last one. I just won't be here next week. It's the last one for a couple weeks because next week is the full moon. And I don't know if this is turning into a tradition. Maybe it is. Um, My son and I, I think this would be the fourth time that we went to this little tiny beach house in Cayucas, California. It's such a cute little beach house, like right on the beach for the full moon. To watch the full moon come up over the hills. And, uh... This is, I think, the fourth time we've done this. So maybe it's become a little bit of a tradition for us. We're both really excited about it, and we're doing it next week. So I was thinking, like, maybe I could pre-record the episode. But, like, that's not how the Saturn's Day evening post works. It's more like I like to show up here for you on Saturday and just sort of, like, chat, right? So I'm like, that doesn't... That doesn't feel good. I think I'm just going to skip it. So I won't be here next week. I will be at the beach howling at the moon with my kid. He's a big moon guy. If you did, if you haven't heard me talk about my son, his main thing is golf balls, but he has other things. He has autism, and a side effect that is fascinating about his the way autism expresses expresses itself with him is he's very obsessive about things. So. I know way more than I ever thought I'd know about golf balls and the other things that he's obsessed with. One of those things is the moon. And uh, so we've been following the phases of the moon his entire life. So before he could even talk, he had three sounds. He had ma for mom, ba for ball and moo for moon. And he would take his little tiny baby fingers and he would point at the moon uh, 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 and make little sounds until you finally looked up. So we've been following the phases of the moon his entire life, long before I got into witch stuff. I was following the phases of the moon. (laughs) So a full moon is a big deal. Like our family calls us and stuff to say like, hey, Tanner, did you see the moon? So it's a big deal. It's really fun. And I learned something recently that is kind of embarrassing about these trips, and I don't know if how it's going to affect this one, but <laughs> every year, we we go out onto the beach, and we have the whole beach to ourselves, and it's a really deep beach. So there is a little row of houses, like where this beach house is, but it's a, a really deep beach of uh the shore, the sand between the the houses and the waters, a pretty good distance. And so you feel like you're just alone in the world with the sky, like all the stars above, and then the waves crashing in the ocean. It's just, it's a very spiritual experience. It's beautiful. And then, so to the west, we have the ocean. And then right behind us, we have this mountain range. And so we watch for the, the moon to rise over the mountain. It's amazing when it's like a harvest moon. And it's like big and orange. It's so pretty. So what do we do? We're standing out there by ourselves and we think nobody can hear us. So we sing and we, and then when we, the moon comes up, we start howling, literally howling at the moon and being like, hi moon, I love you. And like shouting and all of this stuff. And I was telling my stepdad this recently and he laughed and he goes, you guys, he said, Everybody can hear you. He said, you can't hear you because of the waves crashing in the ocean. But but water carries sound. And he's like, everybody that lives there can definitely hear you. And then I think it was April Shaley I, I heard recently, right after that, talking about how when she lived in Salem, people would get drunk and go, like, sit on the shore and have these conversations and not realize, like, she could hear every word they were saying <laughs> because of the sound carrying. So... I did not have this realization any of the previous times that we howled at the moon and sang songs and screamed and yelled. And now that I know, I'm like, will we do it anyway? Will we do it anyway? I have a feeling we will, because <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> but now I feel like a little bit of a dork. I didn't know all those people could hear us. And I don't. I'm, now I'm thinking, like, what did I say? What kind of songs were we singing? I don't know. I don't know. The other cool thing about going to Cayukis is right next door, like... A hop skip and a jump away is Cambria, which I love. There is the witchiest store I've ever been to. If you love the movie Practical Magic, this shop is the closest thing to Practical Magic I've ever seen. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the apothecary in Practical Magic. I'm talking about the Ant's House. If you love the Ant's House, you will love Spellbound Herbs. If you ever go to Cambria, California, it's just below like where Big Sur is. My super happy place is Big Sur. But below that is Cambria and Cayucas. And this spellbound herbs, it's in an old Victorian house. And when I say it's witchy, it's it has witchy stuff in it, but it's not like um it's not like a store of witchcraft. It has definitely lots of herbs, like loose herbs you can buy, and incense, and it has witchy things in it, but then it also it has like an apothecary feel and this insane garden out back that I have shown. I've shown it in a couple of vlogs, actually. It's so magical. It's so whimsical. I never want to leave, ever, <laughs> whenever I'm there. So I'm excited to go to Spellbound Herbs, too. And then, because... The Oscars in my world, the Oscars is like the Super Bowl for me, okay? So as much, if if you know a crazy football fan, the way they feel about the Super Bowl is the way I feel about the Oscars, and I never miss it, and it's super fun and exciting to me. So <laughs> we're getting up Sunday morning. We're going to have our breakfast. We're going to have one more little hoorah on the beach, and then we're boogieing home. It's like a five-hour, four-hour drive. I forget. It's a long way from home, but we're going to boogie on home <laughs> so I can watch the whole thing. I want to see the red carpet. I want to see all of it, and I have some catching up to do before that can happen, too, so this week I'm going to have to bust away and go to the movies to catch up on some of the ones I've missed, some of the big ones that I haven't, I haven't seen yet, so... That's it. That's my ramble. I don't know how long I've been talking at you, but uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be back here on Tuesday. I will do a regular Tuesday episode, but then I will be MIA on Saturday, Saturn's Day, because I'll be having fun at the beach. Much love to you. Much love to you, my magical friends. Until we meet again, much love. Peace.